It's never easy dealing with the unexpected absence of a coworker. This week, we're going to talk about solutions, problems, and how you can deal when you're suddenly short-staffed. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And everybody dreads that last minute call when a colleague says, I can't make it today. We've all been there. We've all struggled and we all fear those days. This week, we're going to talk all about that and a lot more. But before we get into that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you almost called in sick today to the podcast. I told you, I gave you a heads up on Sunday that I had the Monday blues. We were sick all weekend. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's been so rainy and so miserable and awful here. Yeah. You know, I think it contributes. But the fact of the matter is, I have the luxury of calling in sick to my own life, calling you and saying, hey, we got to reschedule. And very few people suffer. But I even still feel guilty. The fact of the matter is we're seeing more and more individuals struggle with an already desperate shortage of veterinarians and veterinary technicians in practice. And now we're having all kinds, you know, we're getting into flu in, you know, cold season. We've got kids at home with days off from school and snow days. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And in like snow days all across the Midwest, which is nuts. And how we deal with this is becoming quite a chatter among my colleagues. And um, we know today we're going to kind of pick that all apart. Yeah, it really is. And, and something I think, you know, viewfinders, we do tend to think of absences in terms of illness. And that's right. That's the, the majority of these situations. But as Becky alluded to, weather can interfere, you know, a sick child or someone you have to take care of. I mean, getting a COVID vaccine. I mean, all these things can take you out of work. And while it's frustrating to deal with it in the moment, we do think there are some solutions. But Becky, before we really get into the solutions part, kind of set it up. I mean, what are some of those big reasons why people are calling in? And for this conversation, Becky, let's keep it to the legitimate reasons, you know, <laughs> not the people who are just like faking it, like I need a day. Yeah, but that's the thing. Are you faking it if you just need a day? I think a mental health day is, is as important good. as anything else, right? So if when you wake up in the morning and you're like, I just can't today, you should be allowed that space to be able to take that mental health day. Of course, if it's a pattern and of course, if it has right. more to do with the fact that you hate your job and you're not satisfied, hold another podcast and, you know, check our archives. But people are calling in for, again, kids. That's never going to change pandemic situation or not, right? Right, right. My, um, you know, we are seeing a lot of folks getting the vaccine. The the states that are recognizing our, our profession as frontline and they've been able to get their vaccines. And some people are getting them, feeling great, moving on with their day, moving on with their week. And some other people have felt a little crappy afterwards and they need a day to recover and to feel better, to come in and to do their best. And I think we forget that it's like, you guys, we're doing medicine. You have to be at your best. And if you're not, you should be allowed the space to take the day. 
Really good points there, Becky. Two things. Number one, uh, I will share with you a quick story. A colleague of mine uh, out West was on the list. He's a veterinarian to get his COVID vaccine, had an appointment in the morning. So he asked for the first available appointment so he could come and see clients, you know, as soon as he was done. Well, that 8.30 or whatever a.m. appointment wound up, he didn't get vaccinated till nearly lunchtime. So again, same kind of thing. The other thing is getting back to that mental health day. You're right. So let's say you wake up in the morning and you just aren't feeling it. And really, there are two choices you have. One is to suck it up buttercup, which sometimes works, but often doesn't. You show up at work and you try to fake it. Now, some people can do that. They've got the resiliency, somehow the fortitude to go in and go, okay, I'm going to smile through all of this. But a lot of times, I think what we fear, Becky, is you show up at work and, uh uh-uh, I'm bringing you all down. I'm blowing up the house. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, right? right? Like in your energy, even if you're not trying to, energy is contagious. We work so close together. And then either way, you're phoning it in. You're not there doing your best. Now, that being said, there's times I'm down in the dumps. and I'm like, okay, if I just get to work, I love my job. I love, we'll start laughing. I'll feel better. There's just days where you can't and you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. And that's the first point that I really want to talk to the viewfinders about today, Becky. And that is, you know what? It's not the responsibility of the employee to solve these problems. Like, you know, your management should have systems and operations and processes in place that understand that you're going to need to take a day someday, right? And it could be for mental health. It could be for physical illness. It could be to care for a loved one. It doesn't matter, but the system has to be robust, rich, deep enough to actually be able to absorb some of those hits and keep on cooking, so to speak. Yeah, Yeah, I I can remember a time, and I want to say my husband was deployed or maybe he wasn't had just gotten back but I was super sick I there was nobody at home I called into work and they called me back and and they're just like you are you're totally letting us down you we have seven surgeries today we don't have enough hands I had like 102 fever I was literally like in tears and they like tore me up for calling in and you know, then you lay there and you feel bad because you're sick and you feel bad because you feel guilty. And I don't know a whole lot of other industries and and I haven't been in all the industries, but like where you're made to feel that way when you're, when you're sick, um, it's inconvenient and it's difficult, but it's life. Right. And it's not personal. Like, you know, when you're right. sitting, sitting there in bed with 102 fever, it's not like you're doing this to get back at somebody at work. Right. <laughs> you know, you're right. legitimately sick. Or even if you just are, are really down in the dumps, you know, and you don't want to bring that negative energy to the workplace. Again, you're not doing this to get somebody to cause harm to others. And so this is the first thing, viewfinders, is that when you're in these situations, so let's say that Becky calls in sick to your clinic and you've got seven surgeries. The first thing is don't Don't take it personally. Don't blame Becky for being sick or missing. It's not her fault. Now, as Becky alluded to earlier, hey, if this is a habitual issue, yeah, no, sorry, you're not going to, Becky, this is the fifth time you've called in sick in the past month. Yeah, It's time for you to find another job, right? I mean, that's, sorry, that's, I think everybody would agree with that. But let's not make it a personal judgment. And I think that's where a lot of teams start to break and fracture. It leads to burnout. It leads to resentment. It leads to, as Becky said, guilt. Like you're 
literally feeling guilty when you need to take some time off to recover and restore yourself. Well, it's also this really unhealthy cycle, I think, that we get in into the clinic yeah. because, like, if I'm working and you come in sick, I'm mad at you. Right. Like, please right. go home. I don't want to be sick. We work four inches from each other. You touch everything I touch all day. Please go home. Oh, I can't afford to go home or, oh, we're too busy for me to go home, so I have to work sick means next week four of us are sick. Right. And so on top of the fact that you're like, I'm here to help my coworkers so that they don't feel let down and then they're mad at you. So now you're really on this like lose-lose situation. Right. Okay. So a couple of solutions. And obviously there's not many. I mean, because let's face it, Becky calls in like 30 minutes before we open, you know, and talks to our owner, manager, whomever. And so I don't have a lot of options, but some of the things that, that we tried to do in our clinics over the years, the first thing is Laura used to always call it the half person buffer. And I know when, when we would lecture and write about this, this always vets, owners, managers didn't understand what we were saying, but (laughs) but we always were, Laura would say, I need to have a half a person extra per day. And instantly people go to, well, that's just costing you money. Mm -hmm. Well, it probably didn't cost us money in the long run because it was allowed us this little extra buffer. And I I know that, that our payroll and benefits was, was more than the average vet clinic. And primarily because we paid more and gave better benefits, but it was also because we had kind of that always almost extra person there, not the whole person. And by the half person, I know that sounds confusing, but if you look at your payroll and how much you're allocating for, for paying benefits, Laura always knew that we were slightly on the generous side. Okay. So if you kind of look at your schedule and you, you, you know, you have to do something called appointment density calculations. So you assess like how many, based on the number of staff, their experience level and the number of exam rooms. And, and for the managers and owners that are my generation, you guys, probably got so sick of me talking about this density scheduling stuff back in the day. But, you know, you can do some calculations and say we can handle X number of appointments per hour based on the number of personnel, their experience level and the number of exam rooms available. So, like, you can do some there's some math here, Becky, that can do it. And then Laura would always say, okay, whatever that number is, we're going to, like, shade it a little bit towards the, the safety zone. Now, the second thing that you can do, okay, so let's say you're like, we're not that sophisticated, Ernie, and, you know, I don't even know how this math would work anyway. But what you can do in that moment is you can say, okay, Becky is not here today. She's sick and we have seven surgeries. That means we're going to have to really critically analyze any additional appointments that we bring in today. So it can be as simple as you guys going, guys, we can't accept any walk-ins today. We can't accept any, like, just call in, I need a puppy booster, right? We're going to have to put them off till tomorrow or the following day. I mean, and I think that sometimes what your staff wants, Becky, is the permission from leadership to say, you know, I really am so sorry today. We are all booked, right? Sometimes you just need to tell them it's okay that you can't see that puppy booster vaccine that, you know, you can see the next day or the following day. Yeah, I mean, and that's all about training for for triage, right, and teaching emergencies. But, you know, the thing about I love about what you're saying is it makes it fair and safe for everyone in the practice because it's like, number one, I know I can call in sick and they're not going to fall apart. And number two, I'm a staff member and I feel protected to know that if my colleagues are sick, they can be sick. And then, you know what, worst case scenario, you're overstaffed. No one hates that go home early offer, right? You're, you right. never make people mad when you're like, you know what, guys, does somebody want to have a day off they didn't expect? Right. Everyone's always happy to take that. So 
you know, and I think people are always so worried about money and they're like, I can't afford to pay a half a salary for somebody who's not working and not doing anything. And we don't realize what it really comes down to in dollars and probably more likely cents. And additionally, compared to like your culture, your staff satisfaction and the way that they feel protected and taken care of in the long run, you, you are going to have a better outcome taking care of those people and not having them come in sick. And you're going to probably make more money when you only have an occasional incident than when you've got four of your staff people out sick because you let the one person, you know, feel like they couldn't have that time to themselves. It's, it's so important. And then more importantly, like, like you said, for us to realize like either way, it is not your fault. It is not your problem. If you're sick and you need a day or you just need a day, like you, you, you've got to get out of your head with that and you've got to give yourself the space to take it. Yeah. And again, just by critically evaluating what your needs are from personnel and then what your capacity is for appointments, you start to be able to to make these decisions more intelligently and informed. And I think that, again, this is management 101 that kind of is frustrating, but you can solve some of these problems proactively. The other thing, too, that that I think... You know, we learned this the hard way around uh, 99, 2000. There was an awful, terrible flu outbreak uh, one of those years in which, you know, we literally were showing up and, and four or five people were out. So, you know, when you're like a, a staff of at the time it was probably like 20, 25 people. If you're losing, you know, a fourth yeah. of your uh, 25 percent of your workforce, holy smokes, you know, you're yeah. in a, you're in trouble. So Laura started really starting to analyze and say, how can we never have this happen again? And so that was where a lot of this, you know, capacity capacity, density, all this stuff started coming about. What what she found later was when people were feeling a little down. So like somebody would say, hey, you know, uh, Becky's Becky's just a little off today. I think she's, you know, what, whatever, not, not off in a bad way, but just like feeling down or whatever. You know, then we had the latitude, a manager, a team leader could go up and say, hey, Becky, if you're not feeling great today, you know, you can take the rest of the day off or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and again, it's that freedom and liberation that's really important because... Like Becky said, the the prevailing pressure in a clinic is you stay at all cost. You yeah. show up at all cost. You suck it up buttercup. And look, there are some valid reasons that you should suck it up sometimes. But you know, if that is the if that's the prevailing pressure within your clinic, I think you're just ripe for burnout. Yeah, I, I actually can think of a circumstance of a friend of mine was made to feel guilty. Um, she was never, ever, ever, ever sick ever sick one of the best employees you could ever hope to have she actually had like appendicitis at work and they were just kind of like well can you just finish this before you go can you just finish this before you go she's literally trying to leave work to go to the emergency room and (laughs) you know there was no like oh wow we're really sorry or like holy cow you know it was just kind of like how long are you going to be out with this this appendicitis that you've got (laughs) you know and at the end of the day like there's also this kind of weird I don't even know what it is, but like this abuse pattern where we just expect it. We take it. Like, I feel like when you say that out loud and when people are listening, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd walk out of that clinic so fast. I'd never go back there. But we have such a devotion to our job, our, our clinic, our patients, our colleagues, that somehow that becomes the norm for us. And we allow it we it's the expectation to that you're going to be basically abused for being sick. And like, I, I'm, I'm feeling like we got to do something about that. 
Yeah, it's a toxic culture. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And and it is it is systemic within the vet profession and it probably extends into other professions as well. So obviously I've only worked in vet medicine yeah. <laughs> since I was a little kid. So I don't know a lot about, I did uh, bag groceries for a little while in high school, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I don't know a lot of other industries, but this pressure that we create on ourselves is, is real. And I, and I will say this too, Becky, as much as the profession talks about wellness and self-care and all of that at the end of the day, if your colleagues are going, what do you mean you're sick today? What do you mean you're not feeling great? You know, all that stuff goes out the window. Like it's really just smoke and mirrors. It's it's we've got to do better because honestly, as long as that pressure resides in the clinic, just like you said, I mean, we could we could recount and viewfinders, you could share with us hundreds, if not thousands of these stories that really yeah. happen. As long as that is pervasive out there, I can tell you, you can talk all the wellness and meditation you want. And right. it's just not going to, it's not going to solve it. Well, right. You can buy all the pizza you like, if that's your culture, <laughs> right, you, right, you, right. you don't have happy employees. I don't, I don't care how much pepperoni you give them. <laughs> it's just not, it's not the thing. But you know, the other thing about it is I feel is when you create this kind of culture, this kind of safe place, then they're going to, your employees are going to do what I did with you, which is say, Hey, heads up. I don't feel good. There's a good chance I'm not going to want to record tomorrow and we're going to have to push to Tuesday. So now if you're a practice manager or a shift lead, you could start looking for relief. You could you could ensure you have an on-call schedule in place. You can find other resources and call them and say, hey, have a relationship with these types of professionals in your area. There are there are probably more relief veterinary technicians and you realize, and I understand they're not in every area, but they're out there and, and relief veterinarians as well. And you can work these networks, but when it's safe, you're probably going to end up with more of a heads up than the person who's sitting at home dreading to call the practice because they know they're going to feel so bad. That is so true. And and viewfinders, that is actually the lesson we all need to take from today's podcast is the fact that if you have this trusted relationship with your management, your owners, whatever, right, then you feel comfortable giving them a heads up the day before even, yeah. right? Like, you know, like you don't feel like you're going to be judged or somehow felt pressure to show up, right? If the phone call goes like this, hey, you know, listen, I, I, I hate to call you. I know it's eight o'clock at night, but I'm feeling a little headachey. Just a heads up in case... I I'm not able to make it to work tomorrow. Honestly, the 8 p.m., the night before the 8 a.m. open, wow, that's all the difference in the world sometimes because then that manager, that team leader, that owner can get out and say, hey, you know, Susie, I know tomorrow's your day off or, or whatever, right? You know, could you, can we switch around? Can we do something? You've got some opportunity. But if the, if the, if the culture and the pressure says you don't call in because you're going to be made fun of or made guilty, mm-hmm. then let me tell you, you're going to, you're going to wait to the very last second, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just human nature. It's like, you know, Hey, I really tried hard, but this morning my head's splitting, right? I would rather have known that the night before mm-hmm. I, I can actually f- maybe fix it or at least have a heads up and be started on a solution as opposed to showing up and scrambling. Exactly. And, you know, again, we understand absolutely absenteeism is hard we understand that there's shift shortages and and it's we're not trying to create a perfect picture but we're just saying that that communication and that culture and the preparedness you know will actually like you said it's going to make it easier you're going to send that heads up in fact maybe even before you leave work and say like listen i don't really feel that great and i i don't think i'm going to want to come in tomorrow like can we try to find somebody to cover my shift 
That brings me to the other favorite thing that I keep hearing is practices that make you cover your own shift if you're sick. So now you have wow. to get up in the morning and you're sick and you have to call through the entire call tree to try to find somebody to cover your shift for you. Not your responsibility. Like total insanity and to be made to feel bad if you can't do that. Now, a lot more clinics are using things like Slack and, you know, like communication programs where you could jump on and say like, hey, guys, I am not doing it today. I'm super sick. Anybody want some extra hours? Could anybody pick up my shift? Yeah. You know, and and maybe that's one thing. But I've literally worked at clinics where they make it a policy that you have to try to cover your own time off like that. Wow. And again, viewfinders, we're talking about a difference. This isn't a vacation that you're planning because we would often have our staff like, you know, hey, you guys work it out. If you want to take off some extra time, no problem. As long as you guys work it out amongst yourself. If if you covered your shift, we don't care. right? We just want the slot covered. Right. So, you know, that we're not talking about that. We're talking about you have 102 fever and Becky yeah. is saying, hey, you guys, it's your responsibility. That's really that's the that's what I that's what I'm supposed to do as an owner, as a manager. You know, that's what you no. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, and I think we also run into this problem, and we've talked about this a million times, too, about how so many of our our managers are technicians who have either just been there the longest, expressed an interest, um, or just been moved up the ladder. But it doesn't mean they've necessarily been give management skills. So if the culture you came up in within the clinic was find your own cover, you know, get an eye roll, be made to feel bad, get that shame situation going, then, of course, that's what you're going to pass on. You're only going to pass on what you know those are the tools in your toolbox. So, you know, a lot of this is for you managers out there who are like, oh, crap, that's exactly what we do in our clinic. And and so often when we talk to you guys about culture, these are the ways we want to try to help you to change that culture, to try to say, like, how can I have a person and a half? How can I be prepared? How can I have a heads up um, and incentivize? I also, I don't know why so many clinics don't use a, a you know, a, what do you call that on-call schedule? Um, and I mean, I yeah, guess it's yeah. shortages in the first place, but. But still, it's. It, I mean, these are options. There are solutions out there. And, you know, I, just getting back to this whole thing, like I remember when, when I first started talking or writing about this 20 years ago, at the time, I mean, obviously the boomers were fully in control and it was this sort of, oh, you're coddling this mindset. Like you're actually encouraging people to call in sick. You're encouraging people to feel down. And it's like, I never saw it that way. I thought that what I was trying to do was bring out the best and most productive self that I could. And yeah. honestly, you were of little utility to me. Sorry, Becky, if you're coming in with 102 fever or if you just don't feel it that day, like you can't perform at the level that I expect. And I would say demand there, but I would definitely <laughs> say expect, right? Because I need for you to be at 100%. Otherwise, What's the point if you're phoning it in? So I would say that this cultural shift that what we were trying to push for back long ago was actually saying, look, hey, guys, when you're here, you are here. And if you can't give me all you got, then stay home. Yeah. And and the other, I think, thing about that to be considered is I want to give 100 percent. I don't want to feel so crappy that I'm trying to just get through the day. I don't want to have to phone it in because you know what? I'm going to be twice as drained as I need to be. I'm probably going to be sick twice as long as I need to be. I'm probably not going to get my lunch break so that I can hydrate and get some food in me like I need to. And I'm going to resent you and your patients and your management and the toilet paper you buy and the water you stock and every single thing in that building (laughs) because I'm sick and I'm mad and I need to be home and you you won't let me. And when I'm walking around that building and I'm gray, 
and you don't care because it's just easier for you, you are, are, are instilling the worst culture you can possibly create for your staff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, this is just about bringing out the best in others. And part of that is having a system that can accommodate the occasional absence, right? And in fact, you would assume it, I mean, you know, because at the main clinic, I think we wound up, you know, what is that, 36 uh, full-time employees. So you, I could, I would regularly guess that once or twice a week, somebody's just going to have to call in for some reason, right? So this is, at scale, these systems become more important and sometimes a little bit easier to implement. So I would just say, you know, no matter if you're in a small, tiny clinic with five people or if you're in one with 150, you need to be thinking about these things because they are real. They do happen. And honestly, a little preparation goes a long way. The other thing, too, Becky, is if you intervene early in illness, whether it's mental or physical, if you're starting to feel down, taking that one day off might just earn you six weeks of high productivity, yes. right? <laughs> right. I, and even just like when I know I can take care of my kid the way I need to, when I can go to that doctor's appointment, I really need to go to when I can do like that freedom, that fact that you feel like your work cares how you feel overall right. in your state of being and encourages it and, and, and has a realistic viewpoint of the fact that we are just not all, you know, you might have that, you know, 10 euthanasia day or your favorite patient patient had to be put down or you lost a patient under anesthesia, veterinary medicine is not get back up on the horse and do it again. You might need a day to process what you just went through. And um, a supportive culture that's interested in your longevity is going to be fully prepared and encouraging of that. And that longevity translates to the loyalty, which translates to increased optimal productivity. Yeah. So if you are like me, who's a business person, at the end of the day, all of these systems actually just benefit the bottom line. And if I have a better bottom line, then I can pay my staff better. I can give them better benefits. I can actually then start to schedule where I've got an extra half a person floating around that gives me a little bit of buffer. I mean, Becky, you see how this flywheel gets engaged. And the beauty of a flywheel mechanically is once you kind of get it through a couple of rotations, the thing just keeps on spinning. And so what we find is that viewfinders, if you're in a clinic that has this kind of positive mentality, this attitude of optimism, then these problems become certainly something you can solve, you know. But if you're in that area where blame, 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 you know, everybody feels guilty, fix your own problems. I can tell you, you won't have those same feelings. You'll have feelings of resentment and you're just not going to be loyal. You won't work there as long. And I will argue all day long, you will not be as productive. No, and you won't care as much when you leave. You know, you're going to drive. Those are the employees you drive to just walking out because they try, they try, they try. And then they just, they're like, well, if you don't care, I don't care. And I don't blame them. You know, I would never blame somebody, you know, for kind of kind of giving back that level of culture that they get within the clinic, except we we want to try to take the high road and do better because it's in our nature. So, you know, like you said, number one, we can prepare for these things. We know they're coming. Number two, there are ways around it to handle it. And the other thing is, is I was thinking when you were talking is if I was a client, I get really sick of hearing like, well, we have a staff member out today, so we can't 
make any more appointments. We have a staff member out today. So, we, you know, I would want to know that you were actually preparing for that, that you were able to That's handle that, yeah. you know, because if you're operating on so few hands, what happens when there's an emergency with my dog? What happens when a dog gets out of the clinic? What happens? How many hands do you have there? You know, So I think being prepared is also partially serving your clients in a better way. And so if you're a manager out there and you have to convince your owner Go rewind this back to what Dr. Ernie said, because we know it's always about the bottom line. So explain we're going to lose clients if we don't have preparedness for this. And we're going to make more money when we are prepared for this and show that bottom line increase. And everybody wins. Wow. Viewfinders, are you winning this game? How are you dealing with unexpected absences of your colleagues? Is it something that everybody dreads and then complains about or is it something that you guys are actively trying to solve or maybe have already solved we really want to hear what your thoughts are on this issue because yeah it's it happens i only (laughs) want to hear your thoughts saying that you totally agree with us because if you don't i want you to check yourself because take care of your employees take care of yourself please this is a hard time and um everyone's really tired and sick and sick and tired and so we all need to be able to support each other and and continue to lift each other up and get through this so tell us how you're doing that you can do it on facebook or on instagram at veterinary viewfinder you can tweet ernie not me over (laughs) at the vet viewfinder and we have an email too you guys if you ever want to reach out it's a veterinary viewfinder at gmail.com. That's right. We really want to hear from you and we hope that you're staying safe and healthy and sane during this time. And we really just uh, enjoy every week sharing these conversations with you guys. If there are topics that you want us to hear us tackle, let us know through social media or reaching out at veterinary viewfinder. Nicely. Please tell us nicely. (laughs) That's right. Until next week. Bye. Bye. I like that. Yeah. I I hope it's useful. Fuck making people feel